Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. You standing next to someone, I want you to tell them this. People are our passion. And family is our commitment. Family is our commitment. Welcome to the family. Many, uh, many, you see a lot of churches have this thing on the side or front of their building now that say, welcome home, welcome to the family. We've put up there, welcome home, the dreamers. Uh, we, we want this to become a family. So uh, welcome to the family. I know we got lights and, um, you know, screens and we've got a band that's going crazy and, uh, you know, people are, you know, going nuts up here. We have all this stuff. But really, at the end of the day, we want you to know that this is a family uh, in a sense, this is a wild family that likes to party in a nightclub. So welcome to your wild family. And I know y'all aren't that innocent anyways. Amen. Praise God. Have we got any wild people up in the house? Come on. Come on. Just let me know. Let me know you're there. And uh, we've really been, uh, we've been talking about the greatness of God that he has put on our lives and uh, the greatness of this house, what God wants to do in this house, what God wants to do with the local church. Um, we really feel like when we started this church, you know, we had, a, we had a great blueprint for the church. And, you know, at times I wish I would have read some books other than the Bible just because, you know, there are some great things out there that can help you and some things I'm going back to now. But I'm really thankful that God gave us the pattern of the first church that was amazing. I don't know if you guys have read uh, the book of Acts. It's, it's towards the end right there. Uh, but there's an amazing church the Book of Acts Church is the first church. It started with 12. It grew to 72. It grew to 120 in the upper room. And then from there, it grew to 300, 600, 3,000. And then it was like unlimited. Here we are today as a part of that same church. And I think sometimes um, in our journey, we're always trying to reflect on where we're at as a community, as a church. This is a local church. There are several local churches in this city uh, we want to be a boots on the ground, uh, so to say, of the local church. We want to reach L.A. We want to be here. We want to be transparent. Uh, we want to be a part of the bigger community, the church. How many know we got some great churches in Los Angeles? We've got some great churches around the world. We are not in competition. We are not, we are not selling something different. We are not selling anything at all. In fact, we're a family, and we're committed to that. And uh, we, really, we really see the first church was committed to family. I want to read you uh, just a couple of things, and then I want you to read with me if you can. Uh, the, the mission statement of this church, if we were to have a mission statement, it would simply be to love more and fear less. That we would love more. We've purposely broken up the second word, fearless, because I think sometimes in life we can think being fearless means to jump off a uh, out, out of an airplane and skydive and you can say, wow, that person's fearless or uh, someone that goes and on vacation and instead of, you know, hanging out around the pool, they go get in a cage and swim with sharks and they, they got a piece of, you know, meat in between their teeth sticking it out and they got a camera and a shot and we're like, they're fearless. But I think for the church, for our church, we're not trying to raise up a whole bunch of junkies that are going to go jump off buildings or uh, skydive or, or do these things. We don't want to be called the wisdomless church, and, but we are called fearless church. And for us, this, this means to live our everyday lives, to go to work, to be fathers, to be sons, to, be, to go to church together, to actually open our hearts and like be honest and be transparent. These things take fearless people and we just want to let you know the process to being fearless is not one day you just wake up and magically you're fearless. It's a one step at a time journey to saying, I'm going to love more and fear less. And if I love less, I have to fear more. And so we, we want to every day just wake up and say, where there's greater love, there is going to be less fear. And um, you can see the little logo that we've come up with. And really what I wanted to do when I made a logo is I wanted it to be beyond branding. That when you saw the logo of Fearless, it would remind you of the mission that we have been called on as a group of people. And it's simply the greater than less than sign put together. And it just means when love is greater, fear is less. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do that because 
a scared world needs a fearless church. That was a quote by Oswald Chambers that, that we grabbed and we said, man, that's going to be our quote. Uh, because really, not just a, a scared world to us, but to us, a scared world are our neighbors. Are, they have faces. They have names. Um, when we say the world, that, that's people in our lives that, that are going, man, I'm scared to keep living life. I mean, um, fear comes into people's lives at an early age. You don't have to be alive long uh, to be afraid. Even just the sound of the clock ticking closer to death. Some people wake up in the middle of the night with a, a new bump on their neck or an, uh, in fear that they're, they're going to lose their job. Or, you know. And when we realize that we have another home, that God loves us beyond what we're walking through, that he loves us in spite of us and in that, and he's not waiting for us to fix ourselves up, to come to him, then we can be loved more and we can fear less. And so we're going to do that because we know that now is the time, man. We don't have time to mess around. We got a scared world in our lives that need a fearless church. And we know that the devil's greatest fear will be a fearless church. Amen. So here at, at Fearless, if we're born for greatness, we gotta, we got to live under a certain system of values. And uh, we've kind of written out some of the values of this house. And really, I think that these values are just values of what it means to be a normal Christian. <laughs> these, are, these are not extraordinary. This is not becoming Superman. This is just what the first church did naturally in, in their world. And, and I, I want to I I say, man, I, I pray that the supernatural would become our natural. Did you know to, to us we have the natural and we have the supernatural and we're always wanting to step into it like when you pray for the sick and all of a sudden something supernatural takes place. It's like, wow, oh, this is awesome. There's another world. Did you know that to our God, there's just one realm? You know, our God doesn't have a supernatural realm and a natural realm. He just has a natural realm. Like there is nothing super to him. Like this is his natural this is his normal. This is what I would hope from us, that we would say, you know what? This statement of values that I'm going to read to you is not the super Christian. These are just normal things that a believer will operate in when Jesus gets inside their life. Amen? Do I have any of those believers in this house today? Now, now I've written it out. So, so here, you can read it with me if you want. If not, you can just take it in, snap a picture. It just says this, Jesus is our pursuit. People are our passion. Family is our commitment. Worship is our weapon. Freedom is our sound. And, and, and with that one, I, I, had, I had another one that was a little more ghetto, but I said, party is our norm. And that was, I like that one better, but, but freedom is our sound. Sounds good and proper and stuff. Uh, love is our action. Servanthood is our position. Look, we, we're not striving for positions here. The greatest position in this house is that of a servant. Amen? Honor is our privilege. This is the, the, honor was the privilege of the first church. Excellence is in our spirit. We have the spirit of Jesus, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, lives inside of me. Look, I don't have a broke down, lame Jesus that lives inside of me. Look, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. I have an excellent spirit living by, inside of me. Prayer is my source. Look, when, when I need a source, I'm not going to you. I'm not going to my buddy. I'm not going to your accomplishments over, or your, your thoughts of me. Prayer is my source. My boss isn't my source. My financial status isn't my source. How many likes I have is not my source. Prayer is my source, and fearless is my mission. I'm going to make it my mission to live, to love more, to be loved more, and to fear less. Amen? Amen. Now, if we can do these things, I think people that don't like church would actually want to be a part of this church. I think some of these things are some things that, you know, yeah. you, ever, you ever looked at the reviews of a movie, and it was like really high? I don't know if you do that. I'm kind of a freak like that. I go on. I don't like seeing movies that don't have good reviews. Like, I look at the people's reviews and, uh, and the critics' reviews. Usually, I don't trust the critics as much as I trust the people because uh, the critics might be paid extra money to say they like the movie, whatever. I don't, I'm just a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. Something's wrong with me. But if I go to a movie and, and it's, it's, they said it was great, 
but when I see it, it was okay. It's like a letdown. Sometimes I don't almost have gotten to the point where I'm, I don't want to read the reviews because I want to decide for myself. I feel like a lot of people in this world have read the Bible. Like you, you can go to Skid Row and you, you can get a sermon from someone that has never spent a day of their life in church, may not even consider themselves a Christian, but they know this word backwards and forth. I feel like a lot of people have written, read, read about the first church and look at the now church and because it's such a letdown in comparison to who it is, they go, we want Jesus, but we don't want anything to do with this weird bride called the bride of Frankenstein. We want the bride of Christ. I feel like if we begin to live these things in our lives, people are going to want more of the Jesus that we have. Amen? Amen. So these things are important. So today I'm, I'm going to focus on these two. People are our passion and family is our commitment. Okay? People are our passion and family is our commitment. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is the first church, okay? So, so here we are. Let's, let's peer into their lives. Let's peer into their systems and their programs uh, and how they did church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles, or we could say the pastor's teaching, and the fellowship, and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to both the teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Wow, this is a, this is a two, this, this plane has two wings, right? Most of the church today has been flying a plane with one wing or the other. We either have churches that are full of community and lack depth, or we have churches with a lot of depth in teaching but lack community. The first church was a church with two wings. They both followed the teachings of the apostles and also could have fellowship with each other. They both ate the bread of life and ate physical real bread together. Look, God and fellowship are not at odds. Like God and fun are not mad at each other. Like God's wanting you to be Real serious. Like, I even think the song we just sang, I love that song, you know, through the valley of weeping and mourning and uh, I will go, you know. <laughs> I mean, just, well, that's real positive. But, but I, I'm, no, I'm realizing that that's from a scripture. That's, that's David saying, no matter what my heart goes through, I'm going to follow you, whether it's the valley of weeping or, you know. So, so, but, but sometimes we come to church and we're like, dude, this is like a valley of weeping. Like all we're doing is like the word, the word, the word. Man, and then we think, I got to go get out in the world so I can have some relationships and some fun and I could be myself. And, and you have missed the real power of the church. The real power of the church is not just the teaching. The real power of the church is in the ship. The fellowship. Look, we got to get some fellowship. And we got to break some bread together. And we got to do life together. And we also got to go after the word together. We got to grow and, and devote ourselves to the teaching. Hopefully that we're not coming here and we're like, okay, you know, try to talk me into this message. Like, try to get me to read this thing. And, you know, hopefully when we're coming, we're like, God, okay, what can I learn today? I'm, I'm not going to let my pride or insecurity tell me I got this all down. God, teach me. Train me. Show my hands how to live better. Show my heart. Lord, I'm, I'm going on a destiny. I'm born for greatness. But at the same time, church is not about Sunday only. It's about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. See, people, people want this church that they come check into and check out of and they think they did church and so they get half of the plane how many guys would fly in a plane with one wing none of you if you would some I don't know just slap that person right I mean we need both we need fellowship and we need breaking bread we need prayer we need prayer let's not throw prayer out but we also need to break some bread together we need to go to the corn man in downtown L.A. and get some of that good corn at midnight and chew on the cob and clog some arteries. <laughs> right? But you know what I'm saying. Don't get stuck in that. You know what I'm saying. Look, we got to do life together. They did life together. Every day, they continued to meet together. Every day. Every day they, they met in the temple courts. Look, those people that are like, I'm going to do church by myself. 
It's like, no, it doesn't work. That's not what the first church did. Every day they were, they were like, let's have fearless every day. Every single day they were gathering and they were praying, they were worshiping. Man, did you know you can start up a worship service in your house? You can start up a worship service with any group. I had one family in our church. They're doing family worship night in their house. They're putting on YouTube videos. I said, now you got Fearless Live, man. You can go get that Fearless Live video, and you can rock that. They are worshiping in their house. They are gathering together. People say, man, can we do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Look, we should be praying together. We should, people always text me, hey, can I, can I get some people together to pray? I'm like, why are you asking me that? Are you trying to strike me with lightning? Like, I'm not God. If you want to get together and talk to God, if I get in the way, God might kill me. Look, you need to gather together, worship, pray. Every day they were doing that. They ate together. Now, now there are some people that will gather together around their own kingdom. Y'all about to be careful about that. Right? We ain't talking about that. Oh, look, I'm, I'm going to start my own church over here and do this. No, no, we're not talking. We're, we are the church. Look, we're doing this together. There's nothing wrong with the pure heart of someone saying, man, we're gathering daily. They gathered daily. They, they broke bread. They did this. They went to the, and then they, they, they broke bread in their homes. Ooh. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, I know we're doing restaurants for our fearless life, but our hope is that this restaurant experience that is planned and cookie cutter and we have an hour time schedule for it will be the start of a greater relationship. Will be the start of you going, man, these ribs are good at the restaurant and they did cost $22.95, but let me tell you, I know how to make some mean ribs. I'd love you to come over and hang out for a night. We can watch Family Feud together. I mean, that is... The hope, right? The hope is that, that, that look, look, any, anything that ends up deep has to start shallow, right? My daughter, she, she started swimming and stuff. And so, you know, it's, it gets scary. As you take off the floaties, you have to start trusting a little more and more and more. And so whenever we're not in the pool, she has to keep the floaties on. But now when I'm in the pool, she can take them off. Even this week, we, it's summer, so we're swimming more. And so she's learning to dive. She's like, I can dive. And I'm like, okay, let's try it. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, if, we, if it fails, you know, we're in trouble. But, you know, we found some goggles and now, now she, she can dive for, I took my, my bracelet off and dropped it. She's diving for, but, but that didn't start by her first day walking to the pool and just diving into the deep end. I mean, that's freaking me out. Like, look, nothing great starts in the deep. It has to start in the shallow. Look, I know you're like, man, I don't know about these formated relationships the church is forming for. It just feels real corporate. Well, it has to start somewhere, right? If someone comes up to you and goes, hey, you know, I just want you to come to my wedding and like, let's be best friends for life. If anyone does that to you out on the street, they're probably on PCP or heroin or they're very strange. Run as fast as you can. Any deep friendship, best Friends have to start as acquaintances, as casual encounters with each other. Look, they started breaking bread and doing it together. They started living their daily lives. And look at this. They were praising God with a glad and sincere. This is what most Christians have a lot of trouble doing. You know, I really think it we have trouble with it because we don't do anything more than a religious experience together. When we start actually living life, because I, I talked to someone today and they said, well, that would be awkward to, if I'm actually not glad to be sincere in our five minutes in the hallway. Like, how are you doing? Well, I mean, like hell broke out against me and I got fired from my job and I'm dealing with this sickness. I mean, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, way too much information. Like I was just seeing how you're doing on the surface. Like, I didn't want, but I, I think we'll never have that unless we are spending extra time together. They have this ability to be glad and also be sincere. That, that, they, that most Christians are either glad or they're sincere, but they're not both. Like, to actually be happy, to actually have joy, that, that they, the church was satisfied When's the last time you've been a part of the church and you're like, I am satisfied. I am satisfied with this community. This is the first church. Don't you long for that? Man, I long for that. I long that at the end of the day, we wouldn't just have a big church 
And it's like, wow, look at what we did. We, we had a mega church. We had 32 campuses and 32 regions and in 32 years. And here's our thing. I would, I would say, man, that would be so cold and dead if we did not have community and life and do life together. And we were glad and sincere. Like we actually could tell each other what we were really going through. And through that process of talk and understanding, we could actually be glad in the Lord. Man, I long for that. And then it says this, look at this. And the Lord, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Maybe the best outreach program is not in us coming up with one more outreach program. Maybe the best outreach will be a little more inreach. Maybe when we actually start doing life together, the Lord can start doing what only the Lord can do. I know we're trying to be real good at adding to the church daily or getting people saved daily, but maybe if we start loving who is in our life, Maybe if we start enjoying who God put next to us in the journey, maybe if we started doing life on life, the Lord would go, wow, that's a healthy house. That's a great incubator. I can send some more babies to that house because I got some people who are going to love. You know, I, I, I was starting to write out my five-year goal, and you hear all these pastors like, in five years, we're going to reach 5,000 people in 10 years. We're going to reach 10. And I started writing this down. I started falling into that trap, and I started getting anxious about having 600. So I'm like, oh, how many? I'm going to get 5,000. Got to hurry. I'm, in, I'm stressed out. I'm like, we got to do this better. We got to get more people. And all of a sudden, God woke me up this week, and he said, Jeremy, you are so concerned with getting there that you are missing who I gave you. If everything we talk about is out there, go bring your friends. Go get, let's get people saved. If everything we do is rallied around the front door, we will miss. The greatest door in most churches is not the front door, it's the back door. We've left both open and we expect growth to happen. Look, we gotta shut the back door and we gotta close the loophole on people going, man, I'm here to check in and check out. And we gotta say, man, we gotta learn how to be family. We gotta learn how to love each other. We gotta commit to this. Our church is gonna be about people. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna have a passion for people. We're not gonna have a passion for programs. We're not going to have a passion for certain status. We're not going to have a passion for, for being greatly known. We're going to have a passion for people. We're going to have a passion for preaching or a passion for worship. We're going to have a passion for people. We care that people, real people, encounter God. Now, if you're going to love real people, you've got to be ready to love real people. Because the reason why most churches don't have a passion for people is not because they're bad people that run the church. It's because they're scared of the people in the steeple. The pastors have become so offended at the offended that they don't want to spend time with people anymore because when you're rejected by somebody, the best defense mechanism we know how to do is to do what they do to us. This is why pastors sit in green rooms, because it's scary in the red room. It's scary to actually do life on life, because you never know what someone's going to say. You never know if they're going to say, I love you. You don't know if they're going to cry, Hosanna, or going to cry, crucify him. But I'm willing to take a risk on people. Because if my God could deal with the rejection of people, he's going to give me the strength to deal with the same rejection, to not find acceptance when you come, and not receive rejection when you leave, but to love you on the in-between. I want to love you so hard. I want to love you with every part of me so much that when you leave this place, you feel more loved here than you've ever felt in your life. Now, to love someone, you don't have to agree with sin. You don't have to condone sin. But to love them, you have to look over their sin through the blood of Jesus. And you have to say, man, I love you in spite of. 
right? Look at this. If you're gonna have a passion for people with me, you're gonna have to catch this because if just the pastor has a passion for people, we will not be the church of Jesus because the church is us together. Colossians 3.13 says it this way. I love this. Make an allowance for each other's faults. Now, my, my kids are earning an allowance. That means they're saving up to buy toys. That's all they care about, toys, right? I'll wash the dishes if you give me allowance for toys, right? The, the Bible is clear. It's saying, have you prepared, have you set aside some funds? Have you set aside it's gonna cost you greatly to deal with each other's faults? I, I don't know if we have because as soon as someone faults you, you're like, ah, bankrupt, there's no money in that account, eh, eh, eh. withdraw, run, right? We're, we're, we live our spiritual bank account kind of like we do our real bank account. Well, just keep spending. Hopefully it happens. Hopefully I don't get any of those minus $1.50 bills for not having enough funds, insufficient funds. Must be something wrong. I don't know, right? The Bible says, allow, make an allowance. What have you set aside in your heart for people's faults, for people not to be perfect like you. And then this next part's for you if that offended you. And forgive anyone who offends you. Look, in the kingdom, if you're gonna make your people your passion, you have no right to be offended. Right? You, you don't have any right. You don't have any rights to that. In the kingdom, we're not picking up our rights. I know in America, we're trying to pick up our rights, and that's fine in America, but that's not kingdom. In the kingdom, we came to Jesus to lay down our rights. Okay? So, so, so look, and forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you who says sorry. Forgive who, anyone who offends you who did it on accident. Forgive anyone. So, so look, if there's anyone in your life that's offended you that you're holding on to, you are not making people your passion and you are not living this out. And maybe it's because you have not set aside an allowance that people are gonna let you down. Look, can I, I'll just prepare you. I'm gonna let you down. Person next to you is gonna cut you sideways. I know she looks beautiful and you said, I do, until death do us part. But I'm gonna tell you, there are gonna be a lot of moments that you ain't dead yet. Lannis Marset said it right way, right? You're not dead yet, right? He said it forever, but, but you're still alive. There must have been some other thing in the middle. You didn't make an allowance for the fact that the people next to you are broken. We're broken. If people are going to be our passion, we have to love broken people. I mean, look at Jesus. Judas is rolling with him in the camp, and he lets him remain. I mean, if I was Jesus, I would get, like, laser eyes and just kill him. It, you know, I mean, are you kidding me, Judas? You're really going to go this whole way. You're going to eat the bread. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna loaf off of me. You're going to hang out. You're going to shout my praise. You're going to turn me in? Jesus had knowledge of the whole thing, yet he allowed him. Why? Because he made allowance. It's called grace. Right? We love grace until it comes to dealing with other people. We love grace for us, but is your grace that small that it only remains for you? Look, look, I know I'm stepping on some toes. Look, remember, look, he has to tell us, hey, remember, hello, remember, I know it was a long time ago, I know you gave your life to Christ when you were 15, I know you forgot about all those nights you looked at stuff you shouldn't have looked at, I know you forgot about your walking away from God moments. I know you've so saved now, you forgot what he saved you from. I know you got your nails did, your hair done, and your eyelashes on, but I know you forgot that the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. <laughs> I gotta do it, sorry. I, I, I don't even want to, but I got to because you don't know what I did. Right? People that are offended forgot what they had been forgiven from. If our passion is going to be people, we're going to have to get past offense. We're going to have to get past these walls. 
And then God, God, God wants to tell us that our passion is not just for people, that these are not just people, that this is actually a family. So we take the statement a little further. We go, our passion is going to be for people, but our commitment is family. It's not, it's not our commitment because we're going to put a cool sign out in the front of our church or we're going to kind of tell you that. It's going to be a slogan. We are actually going to give and put effort and energy into becoming a family. Now, now many of you might say, well, you know, um, it doesn't look like a family yet. I'm, I'm not receiving the love like a family. Well, well, we're not talking about the family you wished you had. We're just going to be a family full of dysfunction, full of hurting, broken people. Look, just because we're saying we're going to be family, we got this pie-in-the-sky idea that, oh, yeah, that kind of family? Wow. No, we're going to be a broken, messed-up family together. Why? Because you're still broken. I'm still broken. Jesus does not call me the vine. He calls me the branches. <laughs> and the branches, when they're not connected to the vine, are broken. The good news is, if we put a lot of broken branches together, we can make a nest. And we can call that nest a home. And we can give birth and life in the broken branch nest. We can put this thing together. But we got to know what it is. This family might be as dysfunctional as your family. Some of you like, whoa, yeah. I don't know. Yep, we got some crazy cousins here. Wild uncles. Right? I mean, we, we're working this thing out. So, so we got to make a commitment. This is going to be a family. So, so we got to stop approaching this like a business. If, do you want that? Do you want a family? Let me see your hands. If you want this to be a family, if, if you say, man, I, like, I don't know about this. You're like, I don't, I don't know. It's my first day. I don't know. You know. <laughs> but if you're saying, man, what I long for is family. It's really what I long for. Many of your families don't live here. You've, you've had broken homes. Then you say, man, if I came to the church. I want, I want a family. Well, the good news is God calls us a family. Many scriptures. I, I can read you scripture after scripture. Galatians 6.10. So, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially of those in the household of faith. When God describes this house, he talks about it like a house. He, uh, Ephesians 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of God's house. This, this is a house. Uh, even even the, the, the famous, the famous uh, giving scripture, Malachi 3.10, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my organization. So there may be food in my building. There may be food in my house. It's talked about as a house. This is over and over again. Uh, the, the Bible says this. Jesus was the first. I don't know if you've ever seen this scripture. Um, look, look let, me, let me read it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Um, Romans 8.29. For those who God knew, he predestined, and he conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Look, this, this is a family. If it's going to be a family, we've got to be committed to it being a family, though. You know what commitment says? Commitment says, when push comes to shove, I will prefer you and staying connected over what I want. This is what happens when you come to get married. You come down, and they go, oh, do you, are you committed? A little mic drops down. They go, let's get ready to rumble. Come on. And you know, they read this list of things that sounds like I don't know if you've ever been watching uh, TV late at night and they, they talk about this pill that can help you and then they read all the, the side effects. I mean, it sounds like the side effects. I mean, the side effects are worse than the, than the problem. And they're like, you know, this will help you with this, but you might die early. You might grow an extra arm. You might get four, you know, you might go crazy. You might want to die. You know, I mean, it's like, oh God, don't take the pill. This is kind of like what it is with marriage. They're like, all right, uh, do, do you want to get married? Till death do us part in, in richer or for poor in sickness or, in, I mean, it gets crazy. And we kind of just brush over this. But what they're saying is, are you committed because commitment goes way beyond your puppy love. Commitment goes way beyond, wow, I'm just horny. Let's get this on. Commitment goes way beyond the one day. Come on, I'm just saying what you're thinking. Goes way beyond the one moment of getting there. It goes into life. Look, it sounds great. 
that we're going to be a family. But if we're going to be committed to it, it's a whole different level. We say, you know what? No matter what happens, I am preferring others over myself. I am in this for the long haul with richer and for poor, in sickness and in health. When you love me and when you don't. When you call me and when you don't. When you come to my wedding and when you don't come to my wedding. When you're there when I need you and when you're not there when I... We're family. Look, I get to choose my friends, but I don't get to choose my family. And some of us would be like, man, if I could have chose my family, I'd have picked a lot less crazy people. But then as you go through the years and you fight through that urgency to leave, you get a deep love for those who you fight through hell with. Jesus was coming to do one thing. He was coming to reveal this family to us. He's like, dude, I'm I'm the firstborn of many brothers. You are my brothers and sisters. When Jesus' mom shows up to one of Jesus' teachings, they said, hey, your mom needs you. And he's like, oh, thank you, but who are my mom, mothers and brothers? These are my mothers and brothers. These are, these are my family. These people are my family. He wasn't taking a shot at having a mom or a dad, but he, he was trying to say, look, those that have the same father belong to the same family. I know you're trying to look for why this is your family next to you, and you're trying to get some tests on. Look at them and go, man, we ain't nothing alike. How we family? I don't know if I really fit into this family. Those that have the same father are a part of this. It's as simple as that. If we have the same father, we are a part of the same family. I know you're trying to put it on how they act or if you get along or if they love you enough. Those that have the same father are a, whether you choose to love each other or not, whether you, you are family because of who your daddy is. Jesus was showing up to go, I'm trying to reveal to you, we're all family. And we want a family. But we keep coming to the church like a business. Hello, I'm here. I'm here at your business. Thank you. I'm here to do business. I'm here to bring my business to your business. This is what we do with business. We bring our business to the business. And as long as the business is a good trade-off, we keep returning to the business. And I'll keep bringing my tithe. I'll keep bringing my heart to the business as long as the business funds my business. As long as you have the right programs, as long as you have the right things, as long as you preach the right messages, and I'll bring my business to the business. I could choose any business. I have several to choose from. And if I don't like the business anymore, I'll go take my business somewhere else. We treat the church like a restaurant instead of like a family. I have two tables up here. I got a restaurant table and I got a family table. The restaurant table, we have to put something over it so that you don't see the real thing underneath. It's plastic underneath. It wasn't built to be looked at. It was built to just, you're just coming in for a moment. We're trying to make it look perfect because you're not gonna be here long enough to even see the real side of things anyways. This is a restaurant. In a restaurant, if, if you have a good waiter in a restaurant, you know, what's some things you like about your waiters? I, I mean, for me, I want my meal on time, right? I want to order, and if it's been 10 minutes, it's like too long, right? 15 minutes, a little too long. Or if one person gets their food first and the rest don't have their food, you're just sitting there going, okay, uh, are you guys a good restaurant? I mean, I've seen the, the Yelp reviews. You know what I'm going to do? I don't like this restaurant. The service wasn't fast enough, so I'm going to review it on Yelp. You know, what's funny is that churches are actually on, this church is on Yelp, and people rate us like we're a business. Okay. I'm going to put your family on Yelp. And I'm going to start rating your family. If I like your family, I like the way you dress, I like how you do family, I like where you live. I don't like where you live. I don't know. In a family, we don't rate a family. People come to church like, I'm going to see if this guy can preach. Come on. Do your dancing chicken move up there. Come on, you better preach better than the last five preachers. If not, I'm going to that church, not this church. No, this is a family. This is a family table, not a restaurant. I'm not a waiter. I'm not the chef in the kitchen. I'm just like one of your older brothers. 
You know, in a church, there are spiritual fathers, there are spiritual sons, there are spiritual daughters, there are aunts, uncles. There's the whole gamut in the church. But yet we approach the church longing for a family, but we approach it like a restaurant and we're angry when it doesn't treat us like a family. We're angry when the restaurant says, okay, it's closing hours. God bless you. Thanks for coming by. Oh, you can't sleep here. This is a restaurant. Look, the church was never meant to be a corporation, an organization. It was an organism. It was alive. It was a family. Look, at my kitchen table, can you imagine if I treated my wife like the waiter? Get home. Um, Where's the person to check me in? I'm looking for a table for two. Got a table for two. My wife's like, is something wrong with you? I just need to take, I'll, th- I'll take this one. No one's helping me around here. No one showed me to the table, so I'm just going to go. I guess I found this. I'll just take my seat, right? That would be normal in a restaurant, but not in a family. I'm like, woman, <laughs> where's my food? I ordered it like 10 minutes ago. What? Where's the menus around here? Right? Right? Why is the chicken cold? (laughs) Right? You know what she's going to say? Cook it yourself! But this is how we approach church. The pastor didn't feed me. No one said hi to me. They didn't show me to my seat. Well, it was not a restaurant. Find your own seat. Look, this is not a place you come once and then go check out 20 others. We're not here for you to check us out. We're a family. If you're looking for family, we're here. We got this old, dusty table. We're not trying to hide it. We're not trying to put tablecloths on it. It is what it is. There's a place where my daughter carved her name at five. There's where my son overdrew on his homework and it's right there. Look, at our kitchen table in our house, most of the time, we have to clear it off just to eat on it. I don't know if this happens to you. It's like, how does this become like the junk pile? Like, the, the kitchen table, it's got like a backpack on it. It's got some shoes that have been in downtown. Disgusting, right? We're like moving it off. We're like, clear the table. We gotta, we're actually going to eat on the table. You know, in most churches, all we do to show up is we show up to eat. In a real family table, we do life on this thing. We might do homework one day. We might have a, we might have a real knockout, drag out family meeting another day. We might cry our eyes out another day. We're going to do life together. This is the church. The church is not a place to come in and rate and review and wait for your service. The church is a place to give your life. It's a house. It's a home. We're committed to this. We're committed to this if you want that. You can come hang out. It's a, it's a business. No, it's a family business. And the main point is family. And we're in the business of souls, but we're not so much in the business of souls that we're not in each other's life. This is what we're after. We're after real community, real connection, real love. It's a place where I can serve and be served. It's a place where I can love and be loved. This is a place where I can be myself. This is a place, a shelter from the storm, a safe place. Dysfunction may happen one day and greatness may happen another day. But we're in this together. We're going to make it together. But it's not a family without a dad. You know why most of us get broken by this family? is because we're missing the main person. The father of the house. I say, why did Jesus come to this earth? Many people would say he came to die on the cross. Some others would say he came to reverse the, the, the effects of the evil one. Some would say he came to smash death and sin. Others would say he came to heal. You know why my Jesus came? My Jesus came for one reason and one reason only. It was to reveal the love and the person of the Father. Jesus in himself is perfect 
theology. If you're looking for how God looks, if you're looking for how God thinks, if you're looking for how God loves, you can find it all. All the love and the help and the joy and the grace of the Father, you can find it all in the reflection of Jesus. If what you think about God is not found in Jesus, it may not be the God that sent Jesus to this earth. He is perfect theology. He is a perfect embodiment of the Father. Every time Jesus was anywhere, he said, I'm doing this because I'm on my Father's business. I'm on my Father's mission. He would say, when we pray, let's pray this first. Uh, like, like, let's pray this first. Our, our, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Our Father, our Father, which is in heaven. He said, look, if you see me doing it, you've seen the Father. He kept saying that. I'm just reflecting the Father so you can see an embodiment of the Father. Many of us go, man, what does Father God look like? Look at Jesus. Look at the love of Jesus. Look at the grace of Jesus. Look at the heart of Jesus. Many of the people he healed, he didn't heal because he was showing off his power. He healed because he was reflective of what a father would do with a hurting son or daughter. The guy with blind eyes, he healed because he looked at him like a son. If a father seen a son and had the power to change his eyesight, what would he do? He would fight through heaven and earth to open his son's eyes. When he's on the cross and he's looking at the man to his left, there's been a murderer. What does he do? Hey, today you will dine with me in paradise. You know, that, that's something that a father would do. A father gives second chances where there are no more chances. I'm bad at that. Every time my son does something, I'm like, that's your last chance. I'm warning you, boy. Right? My son pushes those buttons. He's like, I'm going to test you. Don't punch me again. Boom. I'm warning you, boy. I'm going to count to 10. You better get up in that bed. It's time to go to bed. I get to 10, and then I'm kind of like, 10, 10 again, 10 one more time, I'll get you. you know, I'm trying to find any way to break the rules for him. That is the love of your father. But he says in comparison to him, I'm like wicked and evil in comparison to his love. How much does the Father love you? How much does the Father long for his family to come sit around the table this Father's Day? I know we're celebrating our earthly fathers, but the Father God says, man, I just wish all my kids could just, just fight through the urges to run and come sit at the table. Sometimes my mom will say, I don't care if you guys are in a fight, just come eat Mother's Day dinner with me and you can work out your fight later. You know what we gotta finally get in the church? Let's lay aside all our crap just for one meal with dad. Let's just tune our hearts and go, it's worth it. It's worth it to fight past all of our disagreements and our hurts and our wounds to say, Father, you've loved me so radically. All I want to do is come sit at the table with you. What if we had a church like that? What if we had a church that was a family? What if we had a church that both went after the word and broke real bread together? What if we had a church that was both joyful and honest? What if, what if we had a church that did life together? What if we had a church that like Jesus, when he came to the money changers in the temple, he flipped over the tables. And he said, no, not my father's house. You will not turn my father's house into a business. Come sit at the table. He kicked people out. He said, get out of the temple. You will not turn this into a place to do business. This is not a business. This is a family. Welcome to the table. Come in and eat. Stop living out the orphan life. Come be a son or a daughter. Come sit at your rightful place. You were born for greatness. You were born to have love and fall. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet all over this room? I've given you all I have. That's it. Now we either do it or we don't. Right? We either heard or we walk out exactly the same. Living our separate lives and once a week coming and eating at the restaurant. Or we do life together. And watch God do what no man can do. Watch God go save your friends and your family and your co-workers. We gotta love who we got. We gotta love the person next to you. Maybe today, if there's an offense in your heart towards someone, you need to ask the Lord to increase your bank account of love. 
Some of you are waiting for them to say sorry before you let go. You're going to be waiting the rest of your life. While God is like, I forgave you immediately. What are you waiting for? Oh, you came to me with grace and you want them to earn it? No, give them grace. The same grace you want, give somebody else grace. We're on a journey. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all broken. Let God build the nest with broken people. Amen? Amen. Will you grab your neighbor's hand all across this room? Hmm. We want to let you know that the Jesus of the Bible did not come and die to make bad people good. He died so that dead people could have life. Simple. If you feel dead in this room and you want that life, we invite you into it. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I received that gift. It's as simple as if I was giving my wife this cup and she either chooses to receive it or leave it in my hands. Jesus died to give you life. And he wants to give you life full, overflowing. Not so you can say I'm a Christian on my Facebook or you can have some title or some be a part of some crew. He just says, man, I, I want to give you life. If you want that life, you cannot do anything religiously to earn it. It's about relationship. Okay? You're in this room. You say, I want that life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? That's you. I want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand on the count of three. You say, man, I need that. I need that. I feel dead on the inside. I need that life. I need that life that Jesus has. I need to be invited to the table. I, I want to be a son or daughter of the Most High God. I want to be invited. I want to be adopted into this family. If that's you, I want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand. Ready? One, two, three. Hands are being squeezed all over this room. If your neighbor squeezed your hand, I want you to lift it on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, hands are going up all over this room. See those hands. See those hands. See those hands. I see those hands. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.